Welcome to the Soccer Podcast, where we talk soccer in Delaware, soccer in the rest of the world, and everything in between. My name is Sebastian, and this week I'm joined here by Dwayne. Sebastian, how's it going? It's good, Dwayne. How are you? Doing good. We put our announcement out last week, so we've been buzzing with information, getting stuff together. Yeah, we can officially we can officially announce the team name. Yes, sir. It's the Delaware Union Diamonds. And we have a logo. And we have a logo and we have a backstory. Yeah, we've got a we're we're rolling. So I will I will briefly go through our backstory for the Delaware Union Diamonds. And those of you that did not listen last week, uh, make sure you always listen to us on any of your um, podcast platforms and make sure you subscribe to our podcast anywhere you are and leave us a comment or just let us know on social media. Facebook.com slash Delaware Union, Instagram at Delaware Union Soccer. And on Twitter at DE Union Soccer or our newly formed social media accounts, Facebook.com slash DE Union Diamonds and Instagram on at DE Union Diamonds. So the, the, the Delaware Union Diamonds are the United Women's Soccer League two team that we are just have just now formed. Um, that'll be our under 23 women's team that will start playing this summer. The Diamonds name goes back to 1861 when the town of Middletown was originally founded, chartered, or, or whatever that specific word is. Um, but when they when they were drawing the, the size of the town, they wanted it to go one square mile around where City Hall was uh, in the shape of a diamond. And it was the Diamond Town and the Diamond State. So that is why the, the, the logo has the diamond on it in the middle, replacing the O. And that's why we're called the Delaware Union Diamonds. We want to have a uh, deep connection to the town of Middletown. So very excited for that. It's a good fun fact, too, though, about Middletown. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't we think had, a lot we of had people... to do our research. Yeah. I mean, we 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 were lucky enough to contact the Middletown Historical Society. And they they give us some different some different options for names and things like that. And we stuck with diamonds as the as the <laughs> best one. Um, so, so yeah, so, and we all started our winter training, uh, Dwayne and I are now, um, in the middle of our convention. Yes, sir. Uh, when we're in the United soccer convention and, and learning a lot of different things and going through a bunch of different sessions, I feel like, and it's been tough because this, the convention is online. So it's been difficult to, to do the convention um online and not being able to see field sessions so far only two of the sessions have actually i've seen video of soccer you've done more of the soccer sessions than i have i've done more of the the admin side of things um well you know me every time i see a new training session i'm putting it into my training session yeah. at night. so how, i've already i've already done that um how is that it, it's it's working so um it's a 4v1 rondo working on defending and they're just building up to having three defenders uh, go 3v3 versus each other. So we're working on building it up, just learning, you know, how to be patient, awareness, you know, just different styles of defending. And it's fun. Like, I think that's the, that's why I threw it in so fast because it's the first week of training for us. Yep. And the kids get to have fun because it's a rondo, go with the ball back, keep your score. You know, we'll see who wins at the end. So it's it's a fun game for them, but they're getting a lot out of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, so, you know, and, and part of the convention is always having the draft, you know, be be a part of the convention. So this year, the NWSL draft, obviously, everything was held online. Um, so we're going to briefly touch on the NWSL draft because there's a, there's a couple interesting little is a real interesting. I would just go off and say the number two pick was a real interesting. I had no idea Dennis Rodman's daughter played soccer. Yeah, That's number two pick. So, and she's played. She's played in a couple of youth national teams before, and I and I heard about this before. So, uh, so off of right off the bat, uh, NWSL number one draft pick Emily Fox from UNC. She's going off to uh, uh, racing or racing Louisville FC, one of the brand new franchises coming this year. Uh, the Washington Spirit right down the street to a certain extent from us are the closest uh, NWSL um, franchise that we have. Uh, Trinity Rodman from Washington State, number two pick in the draft. 
the one that I'm ex- excited to see is uh, Sky Blue FC picked up Brianna Pinto from UFC or from UNC, uh, and I'm excited to be able to to be able to watch uh, Brianna Pinto because I've, I've watched a couple of UNC games this year, and I think she's been able she's gonna she's gonna do some some really cool things. Um, and speaking of UNC, uh, UNC is gonna be playing against the University of Delaware. We're there. We, I mean, hopefully, and they're playing here. They're playing at Delaware. Um, I mean, I was there either way. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, you yeah. saw. I don't know if you saw the Marine game last week. I did not. Or you saw pictures of it, but I did not. Tell me, the Marine, either the small club that played Tottenham. Oh, the Marine. Yes, yes, yes. I thought you were talking about the Marines. Yeah, yes, no, no, I, the no, Marine, no, the Marine like, FC like game. The yes, people that were sitting in like the trees and yep. the people who. They had numbers correlated with the backyard so they could just get the balls back, like no house to go get the balls back. So, I mean, if we have to find a tree or, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be. Yeah, I mean, I'm all for it. Listen, March 20th cannot come soon enough enough in. um, It's a Saturday at one o'clock in the afternoon. I'm going to make sure I have no league schedules. Uh, no, nothing scheduled on that time. But Shut, March twentieth. That's up to the parents. If you want to go do something, March twentieth is the day to do it. The Delaware Union parents. What well, we are putting this on our calendar. Um, I'm, I'm off. I'm. Listen, I, I love the Blue Hens. I think what Coach Mike is doing is amazing, and I have the opportunity to play uh, UNC. Considering at least for us at with the 08 girls, um, we have a connection to UNC in the sense that we went out. And and toured the facilities and and we had the opportunity to take a tour of the campus, um, and their stadium, um, the Anson Doran Stadium is absolutely amazing. Um, so I I just want to be able to be able to watch the game. Uh, so hopefully by March twentieth we have the ability to, or either that or we're having a watch party or something is happening where we're watching this game. I mean I think Coach Mike tossed me a uh, free T shirt with the word staff on the back, so. Coach Mike tosses you a free T-shirt. I like. I mean, I, with the word "staff" on the back. So if he's listening, I just need a staff T-shirt. Don't, just a, don't worry about me. Don't worry about the rest. Just you'll you'll we'll sort it out. We'll figure it out. Just 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 staff, event staff, staff, whatever you need. UD women's soccer. It's all I need. Yeah, we can be. A, we can we can listen. We can provide water. We can do. Uh, we can do towel. Like it's maybe it gets hot. Just you, you know, just rinse the towels. Pat some heads, whatever we need to do. Hey, you need me to repaint the quarter flag uh, at halftime? At halftime, we could do that. <laughs> whatever you need. <laughs> yeah, let us know. We we will run the field. We'll be your ball people. Whatever you need, we're there. Whatever you need. Uh, yeah. So so that's been interesting. And then the other part, and you know, last week we we talked to Ashley Lair, IUS Club, and one of the things we're going to start doing in the next few weeks is we're going to be doing player first interviews with clubs. We have already gotten connections with a club from Minnesota around the Minneapolis area and a club from North Dakota. I'm interested. Um, I can't wait for the North Dakota. Listen, I have no idea. I've never met anybody from North Dakota. Um, so I'm excited to, to do that part. I guarantee you North Dakota, South Dakota probably has like some huge rivalry going at each other we can ask that question is there like a battle of the dakotas <laughs> do they play interstate games where they like play each other like north dakota versus south dakota like dakota fight i think the dakota do you think north dakota has more clubs than delaware does maybe do you have the do you think they have the dakota cup probably do and do they get Dakota Fanning to come in and present the Dakota Cup? <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think she's from the Dakotas. <laughs> but that would be a great. I, that would be a good. <laughs> we will ask the question, not about the Dakota Fanning one, but is there such thing as the Dakota Cup? And if not, can Delaware Union or can the Soccer Podcast be the official Dakota Cup Sponsor. podcast? Podcast. Yeah. No, I'm not sponsoring anything. Uh, podcast. The official podcast, the soccer podcast, is the official sponsor of the Dakota Cup. Or no, not sponsor. The official podcast of the Dakota Cup. Of the Dakota Cup. We will cover it. We will. We will tune in. We will fly to the North Dakota or South Dakota, wherever it's held. Maybe there's a field that, like you know, half midfield is on both sides. 
Um, I'm hoping it's in a bubble or it's hot outside. <laughs> well, we can do it in the summer. The Dakota Cup is in the summer. Yeah, that works. Yeah, it's probably 50 degrees in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> so last week we had Ashley Lair in on the podcast, and she was talking about U.S. Club and her role of players first. And she mentioned that you know she had played college soccer. So today we're like, you know what? Why not just bring one of her former coaches in? Uh, now, granted, uh, we didn't really think about this in pre-planned. We had the interview pre-planned, but we didn't really talk about how Ashley was connected to our our guest. But we just we just kind of rolled with it because that's usually how we how our marketing analytics department works at these soccer podcasts. So. Uh, today, uh, we have the absolute pleasure to bring in one of the most fun and energetic people I've ever met on Zoom, uh, because we haven't been able to meet in person yet, but I can just only imagine what that would look like. Um, and I'm hoping I, I right off the bat say her, her last name correctly, but Linda Schurmeister guess. There you go. That's like a nine out of 10 right there. All right. It's almost there. You just need the German accent on the Schurmeister. And then you're uh, there. All right, perfect. I mean, all those years of, of German classes in Argentina clearly did not pay off. Uh, sh- she is the director of programming at Strive. Strive is a leadership uh, organization from Wilmington, Delaware. And uh, Dwayne and I have had the pleasure of meeting with Linda a few times already because we're going to be doing some things with Strive. And I personally have met with Linda before for uh, ASPI. So, Linda, how are you doing? Good. I'm good. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to be here and, and see you all on this wonderful day. So tell us about Strive. Tell us about um, how it started and what it is that you all do. Yeah. Um, so so Strive, is, is, is the stories we tell goes, started with three guys who walk into a bar, um, which uh, we, we say it was, it was, it was some coaches, um, some college coaches, at um, food College, actually, some baseball, some basketball coaches. And, um, you know, they were pretty appalled by by the state of, of some of the, the characters and some of the athletes that they were seeing when they were out recruiting. And and they were just concerned about, you know, the state of, of youth sports and particularly the, the character and the leadership skills. And that was about 25 years ago. Um, and so... Um, instead of kind of continuing to complain about it, they were like, what's the solution? And, and after, you know, many, many talks and meetings, they decided a, a, a two-week um, summer leadership academy where they would apply the same rigor of sport into a leadership and a sports psychology setting um, was something that could work and was something that could really help. And so um, they also, right from the back, kind of said, well, we don't want people just to learn leadership for themselves. We want them to learn it with others, with others that don't look like them, don't sound like them or are different from them. And so from the beginning, it was um, a completely um, geographically, socioeconomically, racially diverse program. And so um, every summer for for about 25 years, um, they brought 100, 120 student athletes in basketball, soccer and lacrosse from across the country. And um, two, two practice sessions a day, fitness session every morning at 7am, uh, two classroom sessions, uh, evening leadership forum. And, uh, the, the, the young people left with their lives changed. Um, and so did the coaches. And, and over the years, we, we kept hearing from the coaches, like, I need more of this. We're talking coaches who were college coaches, who were, um, teachers, who were educators. And they were saying, I need this at my school. I need this in my club. And so instead of just being a summer program, that was known as Sports Challenge. And that was actually the name of our organization till about six years ago. Um, we, we became Strive. And we, we pulled out kind of what we did in our staff training, what we do in the classroom. And we now go and apply that um, across the country, not just in sports areas, um, but classrooms, after school programs, job force development programs. Um, and so essentially we, we teach the the 21st century skills that we believe young people um, need to be successful. Um, and we teach in the same way that, you know, we, we practice our weak foot, right. In, in, in right. football and soccer, like, Hey, try it again, give it another go, try it again. Um, and 
And young people don't really get that chance to do that with speaking and listening. Um, we just say, hey, listen more or listen harder. And it's like, that's not how we teach any other skill. We don't just say, hey, try harder with your left foot, right? right. We, we give them tips and tricks and tools. And so that's kind of what we do. That's what I get to do. That's my job. And, and um, it's awesome. Yeah. So tell us a little bit more about specifics. So you're the director of programming for Strive. So what, is, what does that job entail? Yeah, so I, um, yeah, pr- prior to March 2020, um, I, I traveled all over, um, uh, leading anywhere from 90-minute workshops to multiple day retreats. Um, so we work, we have a, we have a real kind of, um, niche within D3 college sports where we work with a lot of conferences to do some of their coaches retreats when all the coaches from, from the conference come together. Um, we have some really great partnerships with, uh, Haverford college, FNM college, uh, where we work directly with their student athletes. Um, and then more so over the last five years here in Wilmington, um, we've really uh, become one of the lead collaborators um, with many, many other nonprofits that are serving youth, um, be that sports-based youth development programs or other after-school programs where um, I go in um, and I'm able to either work with other people who are doing who are the experts in what they're doing, right? So right. if like if it's with a chess program, that's awesome. I know nothing about chess. They're going to be the chess expert, and I get to go and and help with the soft skill development, the the emotional intelligence development. Um, and and most of the time, you know, it's it's not classroom based. It's activity based. It's energetic. Um, it's high paced. Um, so yeah, that's 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 what that looks like. Um, but it varies. What's cool is it varies day to day, week to week. You know, one week, um, you know, I might be presenting at with Purdue University, their business school, their Doster Leadership Conference. Super cool. Amazing. So college, freshmen, sophomores um, uh, in the business school. And then the next week I might be working at the Boys and Girls Club or the Team Warehouse here in Wilmington with their with their workforce development program. So, um yeah, it's it's designing programming, it's implementing program, um, and ultimately, I think it's coaching. Um, that's why I do it. We we all call each other coach at Strive because that's what we are. It's not yeah. always the sport, but that's what we're doing. And and I think you bring up an interesting fact because you and we'll get into this in a, in a little bit. You were a soccer coach uh, mm-hmm. before, and so you know from we're looking at it from a soccer perspective. So we look at the four pillars of the game. You have the the physical, the technical, the tactical, and the psychosocial. And at times, um, you know, we talk about the psychosocial almost being the most one of the most important pillars, but the one that's it's often overlooked or the one that's not developed enough from a time perspective, resources. I, I would say at times training um, from a coaching perspective. Uh, I, I've sat in a lot of different coaching courses and a lot of different U.S. soccer coaching courses, and while they provide a a great foundation and a great details from a technical and tactical perspective. The one thing that I've always asked was what about the psychosocial aspect of it? We talk about it being a pillar of the game, but we don't really work on it. Um, you know, it's like you going to a doctor and going like, I only really specialize mm-hmm. in this. So I only know about this. I didn't really go to medical school for the rest of the body, just, just for this one little part. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not trying to compare myself to a doctor, but um, <laughs> not going down. That. No, 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 no. Uh, but but how but how does how does that how does that relate? You know how you've you've transitioned into the to the leadership world. Um, so why is it that, or why do you think that the psychosocial aspect of the game is is overlooked from a soccer perspective? I don't think it's just from a soccer perspective, right? So, so I think if you look at our, like, let's start all the way back in, in, in school, right? So in our education system, anything like this, if this is emotional development, if this is um, psychological development, um, if this, in, in some points, even if this is physical development, it's an add-on. It's not part of the core, right? It's not emphasized. And so as we go through it, once you get to college, Right. You you can go and do a degree in teaching. It is very, very, very rare. I don't know of an undergrad in coaching. 
Right. right. So think about that. It, it, and it's the same thing. You are teaching. Like when I when I think about m- teachers make very good coaches because they're taught how to make lesson plans. They're taught how to address different learning styles. They're taught how to you know teach different age groups. They're taught about the ch- child brain and child development because they need to know that when they're working in a school. Well, if we're not a teacher, we didn't go through that training, then we're kind of leaning on our own expertise, right? And so the field of coaching, right, is is we haven't educated, we haven't educated ourselves to set that up. We haven't emphasized it, right? But I would even say if you're going to school for business, right, again, you're not spending a lot of time thinking about the human aspect of it. So unless you're in a field that is your your human focus, we actually just use it as an add-on, which is super interesting when nearly everything we all do is human centered, right? Like right. every, even if you're working in computers and you're working in coding, but no, I, you know, like, like I was saying, like everything we do is human, human centered, but none of us really get that education. Right. And then, you know, time is always, always of the essence. And, you know, when we, when we bring it back to soccer, if you only have an hour or 90 minute training, then you're going to lean into the things that, you've kind of know or think you know will make you successful like will help with the end scoreboard right which is we got to get tactics better we've got to get technical better we've got to right and it's not that you don't care about the humans but you've only ever seen it as an add-on so it kind of becomes countercultural and and counter thought right that you're like hey just so you know out of the five hours we're spending together this week only two of those are going to be on soccer right no one wants to hear that really. Right. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Well, and I think that's that's one of the reasons why why my wife Brittany and I started ASPI to a certain extent was because we feel like even though the clubs have have the best interest of the players at heart and and a lot of the you know, in, in our mission at Delaware Union is to ultimately, you know, make better members of society or make better human beings through the game of soccer as our avenue. But there are things that we we can't do because time, resources, you know, all those things that come into play, and that's kind of why SPI was was created and formed. And like you said, you mentioned, it's an add-on. And I think that's the toughest part. I mean, I think you know, we I, I look at it from I have you know, I coach a total of twenty six, no, sorry, thirty thirty two different players. You know, between between my two teams, I coach thirty two players, and I oversee. 150 players overall on the girls' side, plus the boys' program and the recreational program. It's a lot of players that we're that we're often looking at. And you know, Duane and I have this conversation all the time. How how important it is at times, or how much of a difference it makes for you to know the player, how the player, how the player's life is. Mm-hmm. How's your sister? How's your brother? How's school? Um, how's mom? Just, how's dad? How's your how's your dog? Your iguana? Whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, why do you think we struggle? And I feel like I, as a society at times or, or in a soccer, from a soccer standpoint, we struggle at being vulnerable almost to a certain extent to say that these things are important, that to a certain extent, the soft skills make us soft. Why do you think at times that mentality becomes difficult? Like for us to think about the being vulnerable or, or talking about the things that, that make us who we are. Yeah, I, it was funny. I, I literally just had this this discussion internally at Strive. Um, it's the word soft, right? And 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 in sports, no one likes the word soft. We like the word grit. We love right. the word toughness. Like we don't like we don't like the word empathy. We don't like the word self awareness, right? Like so, it's it's when we start using jargon. Right. And like, don't get me wrong. Coaches love jargon. I love jargon. Right. Instead of just saying, hey, run forwards up and down this left hand side. It's like, hey, can I get a sprint down the left flank? It's like, listen, right. We we love jargon. Right. And so when you start calling it soft skills, people like me at the end of the day, we say this all the time. It's like soft skills are actually the hard skills of life. Right. You get hired and you get into positions for your hard skills, and you immediately get fired because of your lack of soft skills. It's the same with players. You might get the player with the hard skills, the good, the athlete, the 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 best right foot, the most skillful player, the most tactical minded, and then they're the they're they're the the one who brings the group down, right? They're the poor the poor in character, right? You see this in the workforce, but it's what we've labeled it. 
And also, right, we have to remember that, like, as coaches, we're all human as well. And, and in general, as humans, being vulnerable is hard. It's really, really hard because it also needs ourselves to have those skills, to have that emotional intelligence, right? Um, I talk I talk about this all the time. Brene Brown is incredible about this, right? She talks about the shame, right, of like some of the things we carry. Ultimately, though, we most of us don't have the emo- emotional literacy to even recognize what, what, what is going on with ourselves. So with awareness comes choice, but we have to have awareness first, right? So if I, if somebody asks me, how am I? And my, my go-to words are fine, not good or great. That's like not very good awareness. Like, are you hungry? Are you tired? Are you sad? Are you angry? Are you happy? Are you confused? Like we need to, we need to get that emotional literacy because once we have it as adults, then we can help with the young people, right? But I think often, especially when when we get onto the field of coaching, we think of ourselves as a coach, right? And not as a human either, right? And we think of our players as players and not a young 16-year-old girl who's just come from, you know, uh, eight hours of Zoom schooling, right? In the midst of a pandemic with the possibility of losing her senior year or playing with a mask on and, and we don't understand why she's not focused on our warm-up, right? right. And, and, and I think we also make it, while I'm saying all these things, we make it a harder barrier to overcome than it needs to be. So one of my favorite things to teach is this building of culture, right? This So, we, so once we can educate coaches about the need to do check-ins, about, uh, you know, connection before content, about building trust, about checking in on each other, again, we like... A lot of coaches, we like our, our, our practice plan. We like our time. We have a stopwatch. Like we know what's going on. We think, okay, oh God, I have to do my theme of the day now. And like okay, now I have to teach this. It's it's integrated. And, and that's something that I've been really working, that I've charged myself at Strive with doing. And, and we've got a huge initiative coming up where what does it look like to integrate these things into your practices? And it doesn't live by the side. So if you're doing the FIFA 11 plus warm up. Yeah. right? Which we know is injury prevention. We know it's strengthening. We know it's a warm up, right? How, how can you be like saying, all right, by the time you get to this, this last cone, I want, I want you to give me one word on how your day went today. All right, cool. So they're doing multiple things. All right. Or when everyone's, when everyone's showing up, it's like, how's your tank? Where's your emotional tank at? Right. Um, you, you know, th- those kind of things, um, is, is really, really important. And, and, and again, it, it's going to take a lot more um, to prep for a practice. And when you're running a drill, it's how are you giving feedback? What are the words that you're doing? Is that teaching a growth mindset or not? Um, are you utilizing activities where you can teach these uh, social emotional learning skills while they're on the ball? It's going to take some creativity. It's going to take some thinking about, but it doesn't need to be an add-on. Um, but it also takes us as coaches to say, I don't know it yet. Right. Because I wasn't coached in this way. And when I went on a coaching course, it wasn't that way. And I've only ever gone to either a leadership training or a soccer training, right? Right. You, Not both. Yeah. And it's hard to say that, right? Like, oh, yeah. if you're a great player or you've been a really successful coach, like, why why are you going to go, wait, I got to change this now? Or I got to admit that I don't know it's something. Or I got to admit I don't know it. Yeah. And that's, that's the hard part. And I think that's where I think in – and this is where and this is where these are the things that that again aren't necessarily taught in coaching courses or at least in soccer coaching courses, but you end up picking up at times with experience or just being aware of of your surroundings. So um when I first started coaching, I, I had the opportunity to be a volunteer assistant coach at a division two school in in Florida where I was where I was going to school as well. And I had known the coach for a while, and I was one of four different coaches. It was the head coach, the assistant coach, the goalkeeper coach, and and there I was. Head coach obviously talks a lot, comments during games and, and things like that. Assistant coach obviously also very loud and, and outspoken. Goalkeeper coach found himself in the middle of games also being an outspoken person. So I, I had to I had to think to myself, like, all right, what, what's my role going to be in this moment? Mm-hmm. So my role was to sit on the bench and um, and, and I would sit it under the little dugout bench and I would have individual conversations with every single player, either before they went on the field or as soon as they came off the field, they talked to the coach and then they would sit right next to me. And that became my role. 
Mm-hmm. And those those were some of the best conversations I had soccer players because I was able to just, just directly speak to them, not yelling, not saying all these things, just directly just sit down and listen to them and and having those individual conversations. That's why I truly think that one of the best things we we can do as a club and we're we're trying to do this as we go is having our older players come back as being assistant coaches mm-hmm. on our younger teams because the first thing I tell um whoever I have my as an assistant coach that year, I say, listen, I'm not going to expect you to be louder than me. And I'm not going to expect you to all of a sudden be in front of me making the coaching porn before I do it. That's not, that's not necessarily going to be your role. If you find yourself to do that, great, fantastic. But I don't expect you to do that. Here's what I would like for you to think about. Can you make an individual connection with every single player? Because that's what's going to extremely matter. Mm-hmm. Because in the middle of a game, when something's going on, and I'm looking at the bench and I have 18 players and I'm in the middle of the game. The one player that maybe I said something that they didn't either understand or liked what I said, you're going to be able to break that down for them and help them. And that's, what's going to be extremely important. And it was really interesting two years ago or, or last year, one of the players that I had, and she's now playing college soccer at Alvernia. As soon as she was basically done, she was like, you know, when we started training, she was she would say, it's helped me see the game from a completely different perspective when I now play. Mm-hmm. It's allowed mm-hmm. me to see things differently and to be able to uh, process things in a different way completely now because I now can process things as a player and also to a certain extent as a coach. Um, so I think that was, I think that's something that what you're doing at Strive, I think, is extremely important. And the fact that you're looking for ways to connect the the sports coaching and the leadership coaching together, yeah. um, I think is I think is extremely important. Yeah, I think, and I think something something you say is 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 really important. And and John John Gordon writes a lot about this, especially in his book called The Energy Bus. We talk about this all the time. Is that get the right people on the bus and then put them in the right seats. Right. Like, like, I mean, even with it, we're a leadership organization and our personalities span, span on a spectrum. Right. There's there's me. Right. And I'm, you know, clearly most comfortable when I can be extroverted, when I can be outgoing, when I can be high energy. That's that's my tendency. Have I learned and do I continue to learn to be a little bit more reserved when I need to be? Yeah, because, you know, you want to treat all your players equally, but you don't treat them the same. You give them right. what they need. And it's the same within our organization. We have some incredibly introverted people on our team, right? But that's because, like, we it's the right people in the right places, right? And I think that's often what's happened is, is that coaching – is a reflection of some of our old ideas about leadership, right? This kind of great man theory, this kind of one way to lead theory where it's like, okay, there's only one right way to lead. It's loud, outgoing. You have a title. You have to be charismatic. You have to be tough. You have to be these things, right? Instead of saying, well, hang on a minute, right? Different moments require different leadership styles. Different moments require different things, right? And and, and we know that, you know, again, it's so interesting because we 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 don't lean on what the science tells us or what research tells us, right? And we know that as humans, right, as humans, from from like when we were cave people, the number one thing we crave is safety. The number one thing we crave is safety because we want to survive, right? right. And while that safety looks different in different spaces, especially when we're on a sports field, that's so vulnerable. Everyone is watching me. I don't care if you're one of 22 players on the field. Everyone is watching me, especially the bench, right? And so if the coaching staff and the team hasn't created a space that makes me feel safe to make mistakes, that makes me feel safe to fail, that that makes me, right, that I feel safe within that psychological safety, right, then then I'm never going to play at my best because I'm always going to play scared, always, consciously or, or subconsciously, right? There's coaches I've played for where as I pass the ball, I'm almost like, like you know, like, like screaming because I'm like, it's coming. The shout is coming, right? right? Instead of like the, playing without care. And so what you say is exactly right. So there's not, if, if, you know, I was, I know it's going to surprise everyone. I was a very vocal coach, right? Sometimes too vocal, very vocal coach. However, I made sure that I had something that balanced me out. That I because I knew I could drive energy from the bench, right? For my team on the field. However, we did still need someone 
who who's driving connection and driving calm right and so so you find that balance so it's not one over the other but it's that we lean into what we know to be true right if you want a 14 year old right like think about this do you remember how terrible it was at times to be 14 years old yes. and now you're in the middle of a field and everyone's watching you people's parents are watching you there's people yelling at you and we're wondering why some when we're saying hey take a risk take a kid on and they're not right they don't trust us like they yeah. don't you know they there's they're worried and so you know i i know it can seem like wow how much time do we have to give up and like to like, essentially once you get in the rhythm and once you've established these relationships and you've established this culture it runs itself it runs itself and it just you know it's it's repetition then we had we we've uh i had a i had a some somewhat of a of a mental shift when it's come to at times my coaching approach over the last year one of the things we started talking about with my teams is mistakes yeah so and I forget Dwayne might remember because he might have either listened to this or been on on something that we did, but in, I forget where it was. But we talked about making mistakes, and um, so we talk about practice. Like we want to make a lot of mistakes to practice, because what is the worst thing that could happen to you if you make a mistake at practice? Or I mean, honestly, on the soccer field, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? It's a game, right? So we, I was talking to a player last night, and she genuinely dislikes. 1v1, 2v2, the less amount of players on the field, she's looking for any opportunity to have 22 players in the field. Yep. Uh, because she wants to be one of 22, not one of four. Um, so we, 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 we've we had these conversations about her, you know, having the confidence to be able to play in those scenarios. So yesterday we're playing in a 2v2 and, and she was taking players on and taking the risk. And uh, so as we're walking away, I said, hey, listen, I know you hate these situations. And she's like, yeah, I really don't like them. I said, but you made a you made the 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 decision to go after it, and what happened? She's like, yeah, it worked. And I said, what if you hadn't worked? I would have lost the ball. Okay, then then what would have happened? We would have just played another one. Then done exactly. Like it's okay. Like make the mistake, and we made the point after practice of like try something new, and if it doesn't work, try it again. Why do I want to have only one or two things that I can only do and do those every single time perfectly? That that's not challenge. It's not fun. I think yeah. the and there's been research done on why kids play soccer, and we all think that the the reason why kids play soccer is because they want to play with Johnny and Billy for the entire life, or they they want to make sure that they get the pictures taken, or else if they don't get the picture taken, mm-hmm. or the medal at the end of the at the participation trophy their kid is going to mentally break down. And we've all seen the emails of parents of like, my kid didn't get a medal and my kid is devastated. And the research tells us that the reasons why kids play is to have to, to, to go to a challenging environment where someone's going to teach them something. Yeah. And they're going to have fun. Obviously that's the number one thing why kids do things. And at the bottom of the list is pictures and medals yeah. and winning and winning to a certain extent. Yeah, I mean, it's two, it's two of my favorite things to to teach, right? So the first thing we're talking about is 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 grit, right? It's perseverance, it's resilience. Which people will say, oh, it's toughness. It's not. It's not. It's nothing to do with toughness, right? It's it's to it's to have a growth mindset and to fail forward, to fail forward and fail harder. Meaning you're not failing with blind persistence, right? You're not right. not doing the same. Like I'm not going to be flat-footed, square on, and get beaten on a one-on-one every time and be like, "This is weird." I mean, I'm recovering from it. I don't feel too bad about it. I'm going to do it again. No, right. like, you're adjusting a little bit every time. But that means that takes a coach, a staff. It takes people to basically help reinforce that that failure isn't fatal. That it's not final. That instead of saying you failed, don't worry, get on with it. You say, okay, what's our opportunity for growth here? What is one thing that next time you get out in that field, you're going to do better? It might not make you successful. However, you'll be one step closer. So you're you're helping them see that, okay, every failure is an opportunity for growth. Every failure, in fact, is a problem to solve. It is a question. How might I do this better now, right? And it's not just having that mind shift. One of the things I love teaching is, is having, this is again, this is how you can institute something like a mistake ritual, right? When something when something happens at Strive and Sports Challenge, we brush it off, right? It's a physical action where we brush our shoulders off. We say it. You say it to yourself. It means this happened. I acknowledge it. I need to move on. What's awesome is 
We also do that to each other. So if, if I make a mistake and I don't say brush it off, someone's going to say, Linda, brush it off. Saying, Linda, I saw you make a mistake. I, I'm, I'm acknowledging that, yeah, it wasn't correct. And I'm saying, come on, let's go again, solve the problem, right? So that's, 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 that's so important. And then the second point, which you're saying is like, wh- why are kids showing up? Again, right, Daniel Pink talks about this. It's autonomy, mastery, purpose, and a sense of belonging. Kids want to choose to be somewhere. They want to get better at something. They want to have a purpose. They want a sense of belonging, right? You're exactly right. That is why they are there. Now, yes, winning is important, right? Like, let's not get rid of the scoreboard, right? You know, winning matters, right? right? But winning also means we get to define our own scoreboards, right? We get to we get to hold two things at once. We say that score at the end of the game matters and your improvement matters. Right. Right. So 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 we're gonna have to do both. And I have I, it's not often that I see both those things happening. And, and I'll be honest, as, as a coach, I didn't find that balance. I didn't find that balance. And so I, that's why I'm so passionate about helping other coaches now figure out like how do we do this, right? And and really commit to it long term. Yeah, and, I, and it's interesting you bring that out because you know we're we're running we're running close on the time because I know you you have a really busy day, um, and we really appreciate you being here. But how did you make the transition from from coaching soccer into leadership development and training? Like, how does because that's it's an interesting transition to make to let it go. I mean, just to completely and I know that and I know that Dwayne, uh, myself, and my wife, I think check your strive your strive website almost daily to see if a job posted up, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, but how did you make the transition from coaching soccer to com- somewhat, to a certain extent, letting that go? Yeah. So I, uh, my life cycle with Strive um, actually goes back to 2005. I, I was a student. I was a student athlete at their leadership academy. I, I came and for two weeks I played soccer and I did leadership and um, it transformed my life. It, it transformed everything I knew about leadership. Um, I came in as somebody who was extroverted, who'd always been a captain, who was told she was a natural born leader. And like day one, night one, stru- we do like sports challenge. We do a skit. That's like, how silly is it that we think leaders are born and that there's natural leaders? And I'm like sitting there. I'm like, oh my gosh, what do you mean? Right. And, and it, it really was profound to me because it was like, no, Linda, it's up to you to make the effort. You make these choices. You're learning. And and so I played college. I played college soccer, and, and again, I, I would see, I'd I'd be like, wait a sec. I thought going to college soccer would be like sports challenge. I was like, we're going to do all this leadership stuff. We're going to do all that. And and I had an incredible coach. Absolutely, she's one of the greatest college soccer coaches of all time. She's a head coach at Akron now. Um, and she she did some of this, but like not with the intentionality that sports challenge did. And so when I became a college coach, um, it was everything I ever wanted, and it hurt every single season to not have enough time, to not have enough uh, contact with my students, to not be able to do the things that I knew was important. Um, And every summer I would go back and I would coach. I would actually coach at Sports Challenge, right? So like dream come true. And I would come back to the season. I'd be like, this has to change. This has to be different. And and honestly, the confines of the NCAA um, didn't allow for, for what I believe is the holistic human development that is needed. Yeah. Um, so as I as I juggled between those two, um, I was I was blessed uh, with with a beautiful baby girl, and um, that just added added on top of the pile of like, there's not enough bandwidth, there's not enough to do everything that you truly believe needs to happen, and so um, Strive uh, had kind of a change of leadership as as well to to kind of go from sports challenge to Strive and. And I reached out to my my now boss and said, listen, I will do anything, anything to come to this organization. She's like, great. Uh, you're going to be director of development. You're going to fundraise. And I was like, fine, fine. What, like, like, so I, I actually came in and had not, you know, raised dollars before. It, this, this is where the value of sports comes in, right? Is that it's the same as like when your coach goes, hey, do you want to start or not? And you're a center forward and they go, you want to play center back? You're like, yeah. Yeah. I'll play centre back because I want to get on the field. So right. Do development. I'm like, absolutely, I can do development. I recruited players to a private D3 college. That must be the same as asking money from people, right? Like, just right. So, like, word of advice to players: if your coach asks you, "Can you play that position?" You say yes, and you figure it out, right? And so, and so, that's kind of how I made that shift. And and honestly, the everyone asks, "Do I miss it?" 
I miss the 90 minutes on a Saturday. That's what I miss. The rest I do every day. And I get to do more of than ever before. I get to meet people. I get to make connections. I get to mentor people. Um, I, you know, I still watch five, six, seven games, you know, every weekend. So I'm analyzing tactics. I'm shouting at the TV, which reacts about as much as my college team did when I them, <laughs> right? Like, like it's I get that, but I miss I miss those 90 minutes. Aside from that, I, you know, I'm a coach. Right. Everyone knows me as Coach Meister. That's what, you know, we call each other coach because that's what we're doing. We're developing programs. We're scheduling things. We're, we're building out a continuum. We're, um, yeah, and that's, and I have more balance. I have more balance. I mean, I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope, and there's been rumblings for, for many years now about NCAA, you know, changing the structure of the seasons, right? Maybe making a split season and, yep. And opening up some of this holistic, you know, spaces for players to actually develop. Uh, until that happens, you know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not tempted to look. Oh, back. and there's a that's a whole. We can make an entire podcast oh, just, yeah, in a, right. just on that topic. Um, but you know, if you're interested, this summer Dwayne and I will be coaching a uh, under 23 women's team at Delaware right. Union. So if you if you ever need to get that fixed, you just just call oh, us yes. call us up. You can come down. Do some leadership work. We will give you as many to- as many hours as you want, I'll do that, uh, yeah. and then and then you can come. Send the- you can actually do it, and I will just sit on the chair, and you can coach a team. <laughs> can I? Can I also fake my birth certificate and get one last uh, uh, one last run out? I mean, <laughs> I don't think there's the an age. Store. There's no age limit. You well, want? Do you want? Store. Do you want your uh, your final <laughs> like start? This is it. This is it. Well, I, I might consider it. What I was very well known for um, during my playing days was was playing a holding midfield role, meaning Ooh. I I held the position away from where the action was. I was very intelligent. I I I knew that I was always slightly injured and wasn't quite fast enough. So I'd kind of just like hold away from where I needed to be. So so if you need someone who's who's that useless, I am I am your lady. <laughs> Listen, if you're looking for your uh, for for your last game. Last hurrah. We will we will we can provide that for you this year. Yeah, we can we can we can give you the standing ovation as you're walking off for the last time. We can absolutely provide that. we can we can create the environment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I'll bring my own fan club. I've had my uh yeah. one tra- in training. I've been doing some triathlons in the last few years, and she has her bell and she comes and yells stuff, even if it's like, Mama, where's my snacks? You know, so so we have I have that support also. So there you go. Just bring her out. She can, uh, there, that's perfect. All yeah. right. So, um, Dwayne, Dwayne is the, uh, the, the owner of this next question, uh, because of his 24 hour or 48 hour stint at Hollister. Oh. Uh, so Dwayne, take it away. Yeah. What other jobs outside of coaching have you ever had? What other jobs have I ever had outside of coaching? I, um, Back in England, uh, where I grew up, I worked. For- Wait, hold on a second. You're not from Texas? No, no, but I'm also not from England. Ah, I'm I, I read this. I read this. I, I wanted to know about this. I wanted to know about this. Uh, yeah, so I'm born, born and bred German. My whole family's German, hence the Schumeister. We we moved to London when I was younger with with uh, for my dad's job. I did not know any English except cheese, please. Um, and I went to school in London and I decided I wanted to sound like those kids copied their accent and I've not dropped it since except for the six years when I lived in southwest Virginia and I started saying y'all and that that's about it so so (laughs) it's bad it's bad I didn't I never picked up yins in Pittsburgh though even though my husband's from Pittsburgh but no German very very German uh the question the next question always is who do I support I support Germany in the world cup I support Germany in the European championships no I I've lived longer in America than I lived in England so what? So, so what club team do you root for? Ah, uh, so Germany or England? Well, you answer that question. You answer. You answer that question. So yeah. So I. So so Premiership. I'm a Chelsea fan. Uh-huh. My first ever um, game that that I watched was alive was 1994 semi final of the FA Cup between Chelsea and Luton Town. Chelsea won. Gavin Peacock scored a couple of goals, and that was it. So I was Chelsea fan since then. I played for Watford growing up, though, so my parents are Watford season ticket holders. Oh, that's uh, awesome. so, so they have a they have a very close place in my heart. 
And then in Germany, um, my parents are from a place called Karlsruhe, uh, which is is in the southern borders of, of kind of Germany and France. Um, and so we're, we're, we're Karlsruhe fans, which they used to have their heyday um, until about, oh God, it's now 15 years ago, they got relegated on goal difference and like just plummeted the leagues. Uh, and they've made their ways back up, my, my, my father would like to point out, I'm sure. Um, but they they basically like the team that like, like Oliver Kahn and yep. like Thomas Hessler, like that's where they they started their careers, and then like we sell off our players. So anyway, that, I diverge, but though that is my that so is my- so <laughs> I I think and and I'm gonna I'm gonna think I'm gonna make a connection here that would be really interesting. So you have yeah. a dog, right? Yeah. What's your dog's name? Jim Franco Zola. So Coach <laughs> Chad, who co- Coach Chad, who who is our <laughs> technical director, has a dog. Uh, and uh, same name, no, uh, yep. Oh, well, I hope he didn't make the mistake. The dog came before the child, and I wasted the name on the dog. <laughs> I wasted the name on the dog, people. I could have had a daughter called Zola, and I messed it, I gave it to the dog, but yeah, Zola, <laughs> Jim Franco, yeah. Zola the second, yep. the Boston Terrier French Bulldog mix, so he's short and sharp, just like Zola was, and yeah. Yeah, hero worship Zola growing up. Oh yeah, so uh, yeah, Coach Chad has a has a dog named Zola That's as well. Amazing. So yeah, I'll make sure I'll make sure I mention that because you two that. might be the only two people in the world yeah. that have. Yeah. I mean, maybe not, but at least the two the only two people in the United States yeah. or in Delaware. Yeah, at least Delaware. Right? Yeah, at least two the only two <laughs> people in Delaware. Delaware. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but yeah, so my job in London is where we started. I I, I was catering, so I I worked for a company. We I pulled pints and and gave out drinks at like uh Wembley Stadium at the playoffs at like Royal Ascot like stuff like that we were just like catering um I refereed um and aside from that I coached that's all all (laughs) Linda's a referee would be really interesting to see oh I was useless I was useless because I just get so excited like I didn't like I'd I'd want to not want to kick the ball and and then you know I used to give it a bit of a bit of lip so I used to always referee the boys games and so you know, they they still tried to test the fact that it was a female referee and often, you know, a young female referee. And so, you know, I didn't necessarily have the best language. Uh, <laughs> I should probably have got a couple of red cards as a referee myself. But I did, I did, I did a couple of times come back out of my refereeing um, background when I was coaching at Emory and Henry College, uh, where I was the head coach. The men's head coach would get me to referee. Uh, his team's like preseason games against other colleges. He was like, A, because they just need to learn respect for females. And and and, uh, and he was like, and B, like, you're a better, he thought I was a better ref than than, than the ones they got. So, yeah, that's how we used to kick off the year. And uh, I don't think I'm coming out of retirement for that one. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're more likely to get you as a player for our women's team than, than a referee. Player, coach, water lady general chatterbox yeah those things awesome. not yeah love it i don't think you want me to either <laughs> who are your three favorite soccer players well number one we already know yeah uh yep. you know just absolute absolute legend and anyone who's listening look up jim franco zola favorite goal of all time was against norwich city he did like ball came across and he did like the cruyff in midair the near post great goal um Second would have to be uh, Kelly Smith, who is a former England international. She uh, is, 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 I think, might still be the top English goal scorer, um, female goal scorer. But she um, she was the, the first kind of idol that, that kind of in female sports, especially in soccer in England, that, that I had. She came to America, played over here, came back to England, coached. So it was like, wow, that's something, that's a path I want to follow. Um and then you know, I think I think third is is it's it's always a balance because I'm like I love Marta, uh, who plays for the Orlando Pride, oh, yeah. and she's just like an absolute legend. And to be a Brazilian, right? Like having kind of looked at like the '98 Brazilian World Cup team, like on the male side, like to have like wow, there's pioneers on the women's side is also just just absolutely epic. Um, however, like it always hurts when I have to leave leave out Z- Zinedine Zidane out of any. Uh, any list out of any list what a dude what a yeah. dude i mean head but we can get into that but unfortunate i just maybe he was just bowing i always just think maybe it's just doing a bow <laughs> just a bad yeah. day 
was about rough, you know, rough day at the office. Yeah. Hey, we all have them. We have them. I haven't headbutted anyone yet. But so, you know. Hey, the, hey, the, the day's still young. The day is still young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will say, though, I think when I think about my favorite soccer players, I also always realize like they hold all the opposing traits that I ever had. Like they use like small and like skillful and like fast and like goal scorers. So it might also be like my hope of my ultra wishful ego. thinking. Just uh... yeah, really wishful thinking. I was I was a bit, you know, as they say, uh, I, I was as about as fast as a bus turning in the snow. Um, so <laughs> I wasn't, you know. Didn't have that those traits, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, Linda, it has been an absolute uh, pleasure, honor, and a ton of fun to have you on today. Um, all we can say is that we wish we have the ability very soon to actually meet you in person. Uh, yes. <laughs> because I, I just think that would just be really fun uh, just to hang out at a soccer field or anywhere, really. Um, mm-hmm. But I absolutely... Uh, yeah, I, I love what you do at Strive. I think it's the more I find out about your organization, the more the more uh, invested I get into doing more, more yeah. on, on this side of the game. So uh, thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast. Sir. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. All right. So we are going to move on to on this day. Oh, no, now before on this day, I'm getting ahead of myself. Player of the match. Uh, who is your player of the match? I'm gonna let you go first. I already know who you were gonna pick. I do, I I do it. I mean, but who who did you go with? I went with Phil Foden. Um, dude, he's been starting for City at least for the last two months consistently, playing like 17 different positions. Yeah, I know he's played the forward, he's midfield, he's played as a winger. Doesn't matter. Pep can move him wherever and get results like. Sometimes you see players get moved to different spots, and you might see a drop off. But I mean, the not Phil Foden. Yeah, he goes everywhere, and sometimes it gets better. Like it's above average. So scored a goal, their only goal on Tuesday. I don't remember who they played. Scored the only goal on Tuesday, right before halftime. Coventry, Coventry, maybe. Uh, you have to talk to me on Tuesday and figure out who I was watching. Yeah, um, scored the only goal on Tuesday, but. I mean, City's been on a good run. No, recently. Burnley. Burnley. They play Burnley? I don't know. I'll figure it out while you're talking. Go ahead. Yeah, been on a good run as they've been uh, winning over the past couple of weeks. They're on a good form. So Brighton. Brighton and Hove Albion. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, it, it was it was cool. I We all know that the that on the podcast there's a few players that we are big fans of phil foden is one of them um and uh when he scored the goal and i've watched the highlights ever since with with my kids and my wife at the table and uh i'm like yeah phil foden I like i'll like magic i'll like say that and like clench my fist a little bit and like fist bump a little bit when he scored the goal and I, and I mentioned to my wife, I was like, he still doesn't look happy when he scored the goal. Like, he still looks angry about he it. He has the same face when he gets subbed on, subbed off, scores a goal, like, same face. Just, like, yeah. In. Now, I will give you an inside look into my life. Uh, so, obviously, I play FIFA, and uh, I play career mode, and I'm, I'm, I'm currently the manager of uh, Buenos Aires, which is the non-licensed version of Boca Juniors, because for some reason in North America... So... If I play a different, if I play the Libertadores tournament, I can play with Boca Juniors as Boca Juniors. If I play career mode, they don't have the license for it. But anyways, uh, I was able to raise enough money uh, and I brought Phil Foden in to my team. So Phil Foden is playing in South America right now. You you did a lot of fundraising. There's a lot of... A lot of fundraising. Uh, We we did some car washes with the team and brought Phil Foden in. Highest paid player ever in South America. Yeah. He's got to be the oldest, like, what is he, 19? Yeah, 20, 19, 20, yeah. Like, he's got to be, like, the oldest 19 or 20-year-old ever. Like, he's just been, like, in this state. Like, he's been, like, a first-teamer, but he's been, like, on the younger stage of it. Like, I feel like for the past, like, 10 years. Yeah. He still wears number 47. I mean, I think it sticks. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, All right. Well, mine, speaking of young players, uh, mine is Ricky Pooch. So, um. So over the last couple of years, Spain has done this Super Cup thing where they take the winner and runner-up 
of the league and then the winner and the runner up of the Copa del Rey. And they play them in a semifinal into a final for the Super Cup or whatever. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so Barcelona plays Real Sociedad because they're playing the semifinal the other day. And then they play the final tomorrow, I believe, or, or Sunday. Um, so they played in Real Sociedad. And what was really cool is that they go to PKs. It was 2-2. They go to PKs. Ter Stegen stops the first two. The other guy misses. So they're going to the last PK. And before they're, they're going to the PKs, uh, Coleman goes to the, the Barcelona players. All right, I got my four, my first four. Who's taking the last PK? Boom, Ricky Pooch right off the bat raises his hands, gets on somebody on top of somebody's shoulders because he has to make sure he's seen because he's very short. And he goes, I'm in. Uh, I'm already inside. Ricky Pooch wants the kick. Give me the kick. Uh, Ricky Pooch steps up, tucks it away, and Barcelona goes on to the final. So my player. Please start Ricky Pooch in the final. Like it's a meaningless final, right? Like you get the trophy, but. Yeah, I mean, Messi might not even play. He's hurt. Like, just I know they're not. Like, I know this isn't like a money thing. Like, like I know it's give, a money grab for the Spanish Federation, probably. Just like to have these, yeah, just give them, just give them something, man. Throw a throw them a bone. It's not the Champions League. It's not the Copa del Rey. It's just, not the La Liga. Like, play the kid. Yeah, just what's the worst to... thing that happens? He assists your team in getting five goals. He went five nothing. <laughs> like. Is that is it that bad? I, I don't get it. I don't understand why he doesn't play. I don't understand it. I, I, dude, if you go I, this is for every like if you go on any Barcelona Instagram. Oh my god, that's all they want is Ricky Pooch. The people are going crazy over like why is it Ricky play? Like we're so bad. Like we would have scored goals if Ricky played. Like yeah, dude, at absolutely. some point, like I get it. Like you don't want to be the coach that listens to the fans and that the fans say Hey, start like sign this guy Sebastian from Delaware and play him as the keeper. You're probably like, yeah, these like you guys are crazy, but like play him for 30 minutes. You just yeah, see this isn't that far off. Yeah, like, this is not nuts. Play no. him. <laughs> yeah. All right. So on this day in history, now we get to this. Uh, on this day in history, January 15th, 1958. January 15th, 1958. Um there was a match against Northern Ireland and Italy. Italy loses two to one to Northern Ireland. Italy does not go to the world cup. Northern Ireland goes to the world cup. That was the first time that Italy did not go to the world cup. The interesting thing is that this was a replay of the match because they had tried to play this game on December 4th, 1957 and they couldn't play it because the referee was traveling from Hungary to London. And again, 1958, you're still traveling by boat. So if I'm from Hungary to, uh, to London, he got hit with a big dense of fog and he couldn't make the game. So the original game on December 4th, he couldn't make it. They decided to play the game as a, um, as a friendly, that game was originally t- that game had ended in a two-two draw, which would have put Italy in the World Cup. Referee couldn't make it. Uh, they replayed on January fifteenth, nineteen fifty-eight. Northern Ireland wins two to one. They go on to the World Cup. They made it to the quarterfinals, uh, quarterfinals of that World Cup. They go on to lose four uh, nothing to France in the quarterfinals of that World Cup. And do you know who won the 1958 World Cup? Brazil. Brazil. Do you know who was the young star in the Brazil World in that Brazilian team? Yeah, I guess it was uh Pele. Pele, 17-year-old Pele uh leads Brazil to winning their their that World Cup. Um and that was his first World Cup. And so yeah. That was the World Cup in Sweden in 1958. But earlier that year, uh, Ireland or Northern Ireland beat uh, Italy 2-1 to one to knock them out of the World Cup qualifiers. Wow. It is. I think nowadays, they would have just like dressed up a referee, said, speak some Hungarian and referee the match. <laughs> I mean, they're they Yeah, they would have they would have figured something out. So it's really definitely, definitely interesting. 
All right, fair play of the week. Uh, mine goes to the United Soccer Coaches staff because I genuinely think that um, it it is not easy to put together what they're putting together. Um, there's a lot of logistical things. Obviously, it's easy for us from where we are behind our computer screens to say, you know, this should be better. Or I, I, you should do this and this should be live and it's not live at times and and this and that. But you got to think on a regular on a regular year, there's. 12 to 14,000 soccer coaches at the convention. And it's a what, three or four day event. Yeah. And now you're yeah. trying to do this at home for people. And you're still thinking about, let's just say there's, there's five to 10,000 people signed up online all over the world, because the ability to have this online, it created the opportunity to have this be all over the world. So the fact that they're managing it and it's, it's to a certain extent run smoothly um the sessions are recorded and uploaded almost instantly almost at this point so it's a it's a really cool thing so my fair play of the week goes to uh the united soccer coaches yeah i'm gonna, for, pig- for the commission. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback off that i mean it's year two for me going i've always heard about the convention i was told last year you know it's like the best thing ever it's just awesome so i was fortunate to be able to go in person but yeah just shout out to united soccer coaches for the content they provide all year because i've been kind of doing some of the stuff they provide uh throughout the year as well yeah absolutely um so yeah so uh make sure you make sure you uh follow us on social media again facebook.com slash delaware union on instagram at delaware union soccer and on twitter at de union soccer uh it's been a great episode it's been a lot of learning today i feel like we definitely we definitely talked about other parts of the game which is pretty cool um we have interviews as we talked about we have interviews lined up now going into mid to late february um so next week uh we'll give you a little sneak preview uh next week we get one of my really good friends uh on the podcast uh and she is probably one of the main reasons why my wife and i are uh together oh but we'll talk we'll, we'll talk we'll talk on that we'll talk about that next week so little preview, little preview. Make sure you come back next week. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you like our podcast. Uh, thanks for joining us this week. And remember, always receive the ball on your front foot.